USA! Oh, we get it done. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710, the United States. What a win earlier on the day, taking out England in the semifinals of the Women's World Cup. Moving on to the final. We move on to the final. The United States will await the winner of Netherlands and Sweden. That game gets going tomorrow at noon Pacific time. And what a game between the U.S. and England. Another 2-1 thriller. This was a very good game. The United States did not play great against either Spain nor France in the knockout rounds. This was a great win for the United States taking out England, who it proved to be, to my, to, you know, to my eye, England was the best team that the United States has faced so far in terms of how they played. France gave the United States a lot of trouble, but I thought the United States didn't play particularly well. Full credit to France for doing that. They're a great team. England played really well. Just not quite enough. And you can quibble over the, you know, my last point there. You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Great moves by Jill Ellis. Couple of substitutes to the starting 11. You have to have depth to win the World Cup. You cannot count on the same 11 ladies to go out there every game as a starting unit. Now, the United States obviously had a chance to play a lot of the backups in the, uh, in the first round, in the, uh, the group stage. And they go to their bench and uh, use depth in this game. A couple of big substitutions to the starting 11 from Jill Ellis. And I said it before, no matter what happened, I liked the moves. Bringing in Kristen Press, bringing in Lindsey Horan, Horan, who's, to me, one of the best players in the world. Lindsey Horan's just a great midfielder. So I like the moves. I had no trouble with that, and I said it beforehand, just so nobody would accuse me if it went awry. But it also, it's also the case that, you know, Jill Ellis has to win. The United States is the best team, and we're proving that. Still got a game to go, but what a game it was. And it, it, it shows me time and again, we are the best team. Alyssa Nair gets the big save on a penalty. In goal, oh man, great early goal by Kristen Press, who came in for Megan Rapinoe into the starting 11. Just a great move there, and what a header that was. And then Alex Morgan gets the game winner, and uh, England battled. They got a goal in between to make it 1-1. They ended with 10 ladies with the red card, but so what? That That's not really the story. I hate when, uh, you know, media, you know, newspapers or, you know, on Twitter you see, oh, United States defeats 10-woman England. So what? It was a late red card. I hate that. England, uh, Phil Neville, I don't know what he was thinking. Boy, it's nice to see a a non-U.S. coach make some boneheaded moves. And Phil Neville just kept Georgia Stanway on the bench until the 89th minute. What are you doing? You're down a goal. I scream about this all the time with U.S. coaches. It makes no sense. Georgia Stanway is a very good offensive player. I saw her play in the uh, under-17 World Cup, calling those games for England a few years ago. And what are you doing? You're bringing your final substitute in the 89th minute, trailing? I can understand if it's a tie game, you think you might go to extra time, you need uh, maybe some fresh legs, a little attacking uh, prowess in the extra time. You need a goal! So bad. Just so bad to wait for yet another attacker to come on in the 89th minute. Make no sense. Great game from the United States. They really played well. Look, they had their issues at times. 
Of course. I thought Abby, Abby Dahlkemper and Becky Sauerbrunn in the middle of the, the defense. <laughs> Shaky. Shakier than they've looked. I'll say that. They were tested. Now, in fairness, England does have some great attacking players. Including White. Uh, Bright got the uh, the red card. England was is very good. They're coming along. There's no doubt about it. But the United States just fully deserved the win. Just for grit. It wasn't like, again, this is not... You don't worry about playing the greatest game in the history of the world in terms of the way it looks all the time. When it's a knockout stage, just win. Right? I mean, who cares? I remember Costa Rica getting the, uh, uh, within a whisker of the semifinals of the World Cup in 2014. And they played some good football at times. I don't remember the beauty of it, though. They just won. If you hoist the trophy at the end, who cares? And oh, by the way, the United States is not such a dominant favorite anymore in women's football that we should just be expecting to roll over teams that are this good. This is semifinals of the World Cup. Just win, and the United States got it done, so it was a great game. And it's not easy to play as the favorite in these tournaments, right? When it's a knockout type of thing, you're expected to win. And I do expect them to win. I, will, I would fire Jill Ellis if they don't win this World Cup still. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. If she doesn't win the World Cup with this team, you fire her. But that's just the way it should be for a team like this. Because we are the best. And we're proving it. We're one game away from really proving it against the, either the Netherlands or Sweden, whoever wins that semifinal that comes up on Wednesday. That's going to be a tough final, no doubt. This was a very tough game in the United States. I love this team's energy. They have a lot more skill, frankly, than I've seen a few other women's teams over the years for the United States. This is a good football team. And they just got it done. Alex Morgan, she just doesn't quit. A superstar like that, who will not stop for 90-plus minutes, that goes a long way for any team. Rose Lavelle, you subbed out. You, you're kind of worried about that. Hopes everything's okay health-wise. Lindsey Horan is just so good. I, Samantha Muse has had a good tournament. I love this team. Julie Ertz, you can go on and on. They deserve it. They deserve to move on to this final. And let's hope they can get the job done. They go, oh, boy. This is one of those. I was nervous before this game. Not because I didn't think the United States could handle England. I mean, either team certainly has deserved to get here. The Either team could have won on any given day. Of course, England's good enough to beat the United States. But I was just nervous. I love that feeling, right? This is the knockout stage of the World Cup. You want those butterflies. That's what it's all about. That's why I love the game. And we fully deserved it. Now, it look, I'm going to make a quick little break here to the men's team, right? Moving on, beating Curaçao 1-0. And it's funny how you can juxtapose how bad the United States allegedly played against Curaçao. Before the tournament, remember, I said Curaçao was playing a lot better football coming into the tournament. Haiti and Mexico are going on later. Bottom of the hour in that semifinal. Haiti, what a story that's been. This is what I love about the Gold Cup. Gives teams like Haiti an opportunity to keep getting better slowly, incrementally. That's what Curaçao has done. 
Now the United States will take on Jamaica, who keeps getting incrementally better and better and better and better. That's not going to be an easy semifinal. That comes up tomorrow night. But I love the fact that the United States gets by a team in a knockout game and everybody is like, woe is us, we were terrible. Well, move on. Nobody's going to remember it if you win the whole thing. If you go on to beat Jamaica and beat, say, Mexico or Haiti, but let's say let's say Mexico wins that. Coming up later, it starts at the, the bottom of the... Uh, let's say Mexico beats Haiti, they get to the final, the United States happens to beat Jamaica in a good game, then you beat Mexico. Who cares how you got there? These are knockout stages of big tournaments. Just win. And the United States did it in style. Often against England, they played really well. But even, look, it was about grit in the end. And just getting it done. And now they're on to the Women's World Cup final. That's what we want. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter that you're always playing like this, you know, beautiful football. Fantastic win for the U.S. And I'm hoping the U.S. men can get it done in the same way in that semifinal coming up tomorrow as well. Just exactly where we need to be for this sport if the U.S. women can get this done and win this World Cup and then set up, you know, also have that nice, I would like a men's final of U.S. versus Mexico, let's face it. Ah, oh, just I love the beautiful game when it's go, when it's going like this. So many great things to talk about. My favorite U.S. player, and I'm not saying that she's like the best or has been like the best on the in the World Cup or anything, but I'll say it: Crystal Dunn at left back. I love the way she plays. Absolutely bombing up and down the wing, just running for ninety minutes, going after people. And she just got it done. She made a couple of really sensational defensive plays in this match. Not going to be the, the you know the best passer from it, coming from left back. She's got some you know issues, like every player does if you nitpick. But I love the way she plays the game. She's been my favorite, <laughs> and it's just been good good to watch her and this team continue to grow into this tournament. Oh man, again, gotta get it done. They've set it up now. You get there. When you get to the final, is there anything worse than losing in a final? So it's almost like, yeah, you get there. You're going to celebrate a little bit, but man, let's go. Now the focus has to be even sharper and more clear. And I don't want to hear this. Don't give me the stories from England about VAR. VAR is death, and it's awful, but don't give me that. England didn't deserve to beat the United States. The United States were the better team. Video replay is always going to get it right and wrong, and it's oh, that's how bad it is. That's why it's terrible, but don't give me that that had any reason for the game to finish the way it did. The U.S. were better. They were slightly better. They weren't miles better. No. But the United States deserved to go on to the final. And full credit to them. And full credit to Jill Ellis for making moves. Again, that's that's dangerous when a team's on a roll and it's a knockout uh, situation. It can be dangerous making changes, but she did, and they came up big. And now the United States will play for the uh, World Cup. Fantastic. Hey, we got so much more to get to. We're going to talk with Francisco X. Rivera from LAFC. We're going to talk to Araceli Villanueva from 
MLS Female. You can check out their work at MLS Female. Plus, we got stoppage time and a ticket giveaway coming up later. LAFC and Portland Timbers in the U.S. Open Cup. That's You, you want to stay tuned for that. We're going to give away some tickets. We'll let you know how coming up later in the program. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm. The United States on to the final of the Women's World Cup. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Talk about it there as well, at Talk Soccer. I am Dave Denholm. This is ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. We are the home of the black and gold LAFC taking on Sporting Kansas City. You'll hear it on ESPN LA, the app, coming up tomorrow. A game uh, that uh, I'm excited for because uh, LAFC getting a win earlier in the season against Sporting Kansas City. We will have tickets to give away, by the way, coming up later. Just to uh, let you know. We got tickets for a LAFC game. Not for that one, because that's in Kansas City. But we do have a giveaway coming up later in the show. It is time now for the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. And joining us right now, a friend of the show, a friend of the station. He is, of course, a member of the Black and Gold family as well. Radio analyst for LAFC on KFWB 980. Francisco X. Rivera. Francisco, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Hey, my friend. Always good to, to, to talk to my buddy Francisco about the beautiful game and about LAFC. Francisco, the second loss of the season, LAFC coming off that tough game against Colorado, a weird game. And it seems to me both the Vancouver loss and Colorado were very eerily similar in a lot of ways, Francisco. It just seemed like LAFC was stuck in the mud, just really couldn't get it going offensively in either one of those games. Well, Dave, there is a common denominator, and and even though we don't want to see it, 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 his name is Mark Anthony Kay. Um, He's a guy that's just so fundamental on LAFC's recovery process, getting the ball back. Pretty much every attack goes through his feet. Um, he's just so creative, great vision. He's developed into such a great player. I remember talking to him last year before we played um, the New York uh, NYCFC, and I told him, man, you do look like a young Patrick Vieira to me. And then at the end of the game, I reached out to him again. I'm like, do you talk to Coach Vieira? He's like, yeah. He said he really liked what he saw. I'm like, there you go. You're our young Patrick Vieira, but now he's developing in, into a player of his own. Um, I am, I'm not happy that Canada lost, not at all, but uh, I am glad that we're going to have <laughs> K sooner than later. Yeah. And if you recall that game against Vancouver, he was not there. He was rested because LAFC had another game coming up that weekend, but he had to come in the second half, and the team looked dramatically better. This time around, they don't have K to organize, and they don't have a twist either. So if you don't have one of them, that's bad enough. Now you're missing two. That's a huge problem because yeah. you technically did not have a midfield. I mean, you have Josh Perez, who's a winger. You have Latif, who's a winger turned midfielder. I mean, it's been great. He's done everything he's been asked for. Lee Nguyen, who hasn't really played most of the season. I mean, he's a leader, but still, you know, he's um, – he can't do everything on his own. So it was an interesting t- uh, lineup by, by Bob Bradley. He had to do what, 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 what with what he had. Orta is not here anymore, so he had to use the guys that he, that he had. So it was what he was, but two losses, not that bad, my friend. I think no. uh, it's one of those things when you turn a page and, and, and let it go. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We're talking with Francisco X. Rivera. Of course, he's the analyst for LAFC on 980, KFWB 980. And uh, Francisco... 
look, we're, we're exactly midway through the season now, 17 games in, just two losses, as you said, but it's still a tricky stretch here. We still have four more games in a matter of, like, 12 days. Uh, you know, we had, you, know, you look at it, you think you have depth, but like you said, there's some issues. Obviously, Mark Anthony needs a little rest here before he just comes jumping right back into playing with LAFC after a tough Gold Cup. We still have Walker Zimmerman and Tyler Miller busy with the U.S. national team, and this is not an easy stretch. What do you if you're if you're LAFC is Bob Bradley resting some players here Francisco is there a way to kind of get through this and and still kind of keep it together if you will and and not get on a losing streak Well I think for for those of us who have been following the team for a while you know that Bob Bradley would not change much I mean he he has his substitutions pretty much set for every game and I'm not saying he's not going to vary from his strategy but you sort of know what's going to happen for example yeah. either Adama or Chris uh, Ramirez you know playing you know split in half you know that the Amanda unfortunately has not been able to stay healthy so you know you need to uh, protect him for the long run and you know it's a long season so you're going to have him play at least half but you know you you really can't stretch him for the full 90 minutes uh, Fito Celaya is a guy that I would love to see obviously he's He's, he's coming back. He, he wasn't fitting up when he joined the team, but at the same time, he, he didn't look bad last time around in his late debut last Wednesday. So, uh, I mean, he, he's a guy that I would be very intrigued mm-hmm. to see because at this point, if you look at a weakness with all the respect, I think it's the number nine position. And he's a guy that can, can play all over the pitch from uh, on the offensive third. So if he ever connects with Vela and with Rossi, I think he's a dangerous guy to have. Um, I don't know how many guys you can rest, to be honest with you. I think Bob's approach uh, has been probably resting three or four and then rotating. Now, with all the missing pieces right now, I don't know how much you can do. I, uh, all I can tell you is I'm not that concerned about Tyler being absent. I think Pablo Cisnier has done a pretty good job. Yeah, a couple of nervous moments in the last game, but I think he's been solid. Um, I think Eddie Segura uh, has been very good. Protect, you know, pretty much holding down the fort alongside either Blackmon or Jakovic or mm-hmm. Silva, whoever it is. So I'm not concerned defensively. My main concern, then again, is who's going to put it in the back of the net. I mean, Vela and Rossi can do it all. So definitely you're going to need that number nine position. So, you know, great opportunity for Fito if he gets to play. Yeah. with so many games, as you mentioned. In this yeah, it's, a very, it's a very good point, and uh, I would love to see him as well because I'd love to see him get hot, you know, get in there a few yeah. games, start scoring some goals because Fito loves to score. So if he gets on a streak, we've seen it with Adama, we've seen it with other players, of course, Carlos Vela. When uh, when an LAFC player gets hot, he'll get his opportunities and he'll get his chances. That's definitely a good point there. Uh, we're talking with Francisco X. Rivera. This is Black and Gold Breakdown here on the home of LAFC. They'll be taking on Sporting Kansas City. You'll hear it on the ESPN app and you'll hear it on KFWB 980 with Francisco analyzing that one. Uh, Francisco, what do you still think might... Uh, I guess there's no real weakness, if I'm being honest, on this team when they're completely at 100%. Uh, even a guy like Pablo Cisniega, it just tells us how deep they are at goalkeeper because he looks has looked phenomenal. Is there a position, you mentioned the number nine, though, that maybe they look for with this third designated player spot because they can still add even more strength to this team? Yeah, and you know what? Something that we, we've learned from Bob Bradley and obviously from GM John Thornton is that they are not afraid to improve, to improve the team in they sure. feel then they need to bring someone. I mean, you remember how great Marco Reña was playing last year, but he wasn't scoring. He was setting up, you know, everyone in his team, just doing so many things off the ball. He was so important as a leader off top. But they felt that he was not giving them 
everything they wanted from Marco, which was putting the ball then again in the back of the net. So they brought Dio. Then they had the opportunity to bring Chris Ramirez, brought him in. At this point, I don't think it's a matter of how many forwards you have. It's a matter of how effective they are. Sure, so sure. if they feel like they are not producing as they are supposed to, I think there is a chance you, you, you definitely want to prove the team. Now, without Andre Horta at this point, yeah, you're going to need another midfielder for depth. But then again, with all the respect to the guys that we have right now, and I love every single one of them, both personally and professionally, um, I think you're going to need for someone to step up and score more, mm-hmm. or there's, I think, going to be Molson. And once again, I really applaud Joint Thornton and you know, the front office for not being coy of making those moves, regardless of what people think of, or, or if you, you know, hurt someone's feelings, they know this team has to find a way to win. And they're going to, I mean, you look at the team, it's so deep. Then again, position by position, you can pretty much say that each of one of those guys can be an all-star. So, you know, if they are probably 98% there and they have a chance to fill that 2%, believe me, I think they're going to do it. Amen. We're definitely correct about that. And you can always hear Francisco as the analyst calling these games on 980 KFWB. We'll be back in action tomorrow taking on Sporting Kansas City. Francisco, always a pleasure, buddy, when you join us on Soccer Weekly here for Black and Gold Breakdown. Thanks so much, man. Dave, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. You bet. He's one of the best in the business. We love him here in Los Angeles and, of course, part of the Black and Gold family as well. Francisco X. Rivera joining us here on Soccer Weekly, breaking down LAFC. They do take on Sporting Kansas City. As a reminder, we'll have it on the ESPN app. I'll have the play-by-play call of that one. Hey, we've got LAFC tickets to give away for the U.S. Open Cup, right? The, The home game coming up against the hated Portland Timbers on July 10th. You will want to stay tuned for that. All that, so much. We still have so much more to get to as we roll on. This is Soccer Weekly in the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, we roll on here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. LAFC. You're going to hear the game on the ESPN Apple take on Sporting Kansas City coming up tomorrow night right here in the home of the black and gold. And joining me to talk about it right now is a friend of the show, she is the uh, Sporting Kansas City and LAFC reporter at MLS Female. And you can check them out on Twitter at MLS Female. It's RSLE Villanueva. RSLE, thanks so much for taking the time again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always a blast to be on your show. Oh, we really appreciate it. It's a great uh, day to do it because, of course, we got the game coming up with Sporting Kansas City and LAFC. I'm just going to lay it on the line, RSLA. I, I want to know from you, who have been following this team, what is wrong with Sporting Kansas City? Worst in the West, tied for the least number of wins in the West, tied for the least number of points. I mean, this is a very talented roster, it seems. What has happened this season? I think... Uh, um, CCL really got to us the Champions League from earlier this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we started our preseason much earlier than normal, uh, including the regular season tied into that. And we have just been plagued with injuries since then. And it's just not getting any better for the team. You know, just when we thought we were going to finally have a healthy roster, um, we're getting plagued with injuries once again. Johnny Russell and Jimmy Madronda are going to miss the match tomorrow because of it. And their spirits aren't just there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's weird, Arcelli, because you mentioned the injuries, and of course, every team has them. But, you know, usually Sporting Kansas City has been a team with a lot of depth, but, you know, you can only stand so much. Johnny Russell is a fine player. He has given LAFC 
fits in the first few uh, games that they've played against them. And this is one of the teams that has given LAFC a lot of problems. Ilya Sanchez, to me, is one of the best players in MLS at times. What's uh, Who can step up for this sporting Kansas City team? If they're going to have success against LAFC tomorrow at home, who's going to make the difference for this team? I think the difference is going to fall reliably on Felipe Gutierrez. He's been very powerful in the midfield as of late. Um, he earned us our first win, um, you know, two games back. And he's just been – him and Gerzo have definitely been a duo to watch out for. So I would hope that they could step up again. But given, you know, as I mentioned, the injuries and just everything else plaguing this team, it's gonna, definitely going to be a challenge for them tomorrow. Now, we're talking with Araceli Villanueva. She covers both LAFC and Sporting Kansas City for MLS Female. Check them out at MLS Female. Araceli, uh, compare and contrast. Of course, it's top and bottom of the West. But, you know, LAFC has had some issues with these teams that maybe you feel like are struggling. Uh, Losses to Vancouver at the time and now Colorado, although they're kind of turning it around. Is it the kind of game where LAFC still has to be very careful going up against the Sporting Kansas City team? Oh, I think definitely uh, LAC needs to be careful for tomorrow. You know, as you mentioned, the loss to Vancouver, yeah. the the losses to Vancouver and Colorado, they were kind of the last times that we saw a heavy rotation in the roster. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, you know, Bob Bradley has kind of kept this same formula uh, since Vancouver, hence the winning streak they've been on. And given the... um. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, Tyler Miller, Walker Zimmerman, Peter Lee Fasil, Mark Anthony, Mark Anthony Kate away on international duty has definitely challenged this team. So I think it forced another, you know, roster rotation for Colorado. Uh, I mean, a month ago, I could have written it off as an easy win. But as <laughs> you mentioned, Colorado just came back on them. Yeah. And there was just no, um, how do you say, um, endurance um, in that game. So I'm curious to see if he can come back to that original formula that's been working for the game tomorrow, considering they have a heavy schedule coming yeah. up this month. I know. I couldn't agree more. It's, these are the kind of games that, uh, you know, as a fan, of course, and wanting LAFC to do well, I'm calling these games. These are the kind of games that have worried me so far in going into them. The Colorado, the Vancouver. I'm not going to say that I think LAFC is going to lose this game, certainly tomorrow. I think they're a heavy favorite against a banged-up sporting Kansas City team. But you always have to be careful with these teams that really have very little to lose. RSL, this is usually a team that's been so tough at home. They have been kind of bland at uh, at, uh, at the uh, at, on the home field today this season so far, sporting Kansas City. Uh, normally, it's a, obviously a very tough home crowd and everything. How are the fans reacting so far right now for sporting Kansas City? I think the fans have been a little mixed lately. You know, where you, I don't want to say that we're used to a winning team, but once you get used to that formula, you start questioning the team dynamic and what yeah. is happening. But fortunately, a lot of the fans have been sticking around in terms of lifting up the team spirit. Just uh, last month, a few fans went to the training facility to do an impromptu pep rally to show the players we are here for you despite you know the record this season so I think that fan support is there 
regardless of the score. We are talking with RSL EV and Nueva. You can check her work out at, on Twitter at RSLV1. And, of course, you can find her at MLS Female as well, contributing writer at MLSsoccer.com. She's a busy woman, and we do appreciate her taking the time. RSLE, totally non-biased here. What's your uh, prediction for tomorrow night if you have to make a call for this game? If I have to make the call, I would say 2-1 to one LAFC. It's not to go... On my home, not to go back on my home team, but given all the factors, all the injuries, Mark Anthony K is back with the team. He arrived in Kansas City yesterday morning, so to have him and Latif Wessing back in the midfield together with Edward Atuesta, it's just going to be an extremely powerful roster. Oh, good to hear. I like it. RSL Villanueva joining us here. On ESPN LA 710. Thanks so much for taking the time. We appreciate you breaking down that game. Have fun, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. You bet. RSL Villanueva. Check out her work at RSLV1 on Twitter, and you can find her at MLS Female as well, as she covers both Sporting Kansas City and LAFC. Good to talk to her about what's going down in this game. Tomorrow night, you'll hear it on the ESPN app. LAFC taking on Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City in KC, so... A tricky little game. You heard her talk about all the injuries. That's good, you know, good news in the sense of maybe LAFC is taking on a team that's a little bit depleted, much like LAFC is at this time. So maybe a little bit more of a level playing field, no pun intended there. Still going to be a tough matchup, but uh, good to hear from Araceli. We appreciate her taking the time. We still have tickets to give away, by the way. You've heard, you know I've been talking about it all show long, so it's still coming. Tickets for that U.S. Open Cup game with LAFC taking on Portland Timbers at the bank. You will want to stay tuned and stop its time. That and so much more still to get to here on the home of world football in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly. You can hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Anything you agree with, disagree with, what you've heard during this hour. Each and every week we bring you the latest, the greatest in all of the world football. I'm not going to make you wait any longer. We've got tickets to give away. Come out to the bank. Bank of California Stadium as LAFC hosts Portland Timbers on July 10th. It's a U.S. Open Cup quarterfinals matchup between a, a bitter rival now. It's becoming fast becoming that with Portland. I sports hate the Portland Timbers pretty much almost worse than any team in all of sports. Only three wins away from the U.S. Open Cup title, so we're going to look for the first three callers. Callers number one, two, and three are each going to get a pair of tickets to this. Call up right now at 877-710-ESPN. That's 877-710-ESPN-710-3776. That's coming up on July 10th. First three callers each going to win a pair of tickets. You can get your tickets today at Ticketmaster.com. That's for July 10th in the U.S. Open Cup going on at the Bank of California Stadium, LAFC, and Portland Timbers. We thank LAFC for those tickets and giving us the opportunity to give those away here on the home of the black and gold. This is ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm with you. We time now for our injury report. As always, it is brought to you by LA Care. At LA Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit LACare.org today. LA Care for all of LA. Now, for LAFC, kind of racking up a little bit. Danilo Silva with that hamstring strain. He missed the game a couple of days ago against Colorado. He's out, listed as out. And, of course, Javi Perez still uh, with the ACL tear. He's out for the season. We know that. Alejandro Guido still has not played for LAFC. 
after joining them in the offseason with a right quad strain. And now questionable is Adrian Perez with a right ankle sprain. So some issues there. Eduardo Tuesta, remember, he, he just seemed like he was a little banged up. That's why he missed the game against Colorado. Seems like that's going to be okay. Speaking of injuries, though, you heard Araceli Villanueva, who covers Sporting Kansas City for at MLS Female. Female, MLS Female, you can check them out on Twitter. Talking about so many injuries. Johnny Russell, Jimmy Madronda now both suffering with hamstrings. Uh, Graham Zussi has been bothered. Botan Barat. Uh, you have the guys who are out already all season. Arthur Espinosa had surgery, or had a knee injury, rather, back in April. Uh, Rodney Wallace had hip surgery. They're out long-term or longer-term. So this is really just a... A rough stretch for Sporting Kansas City. That is your L.A. Care injury report. Time now for Stoppage Time. We're going to it's Stoppage Time! Yeah! Stoppage Time! It's Stoppage Time! Right now! The host of Stoppage Time is the producer of this show and of LAFC football here on ESPN LA. It's the great Mario Reyes. Mario... Always a pleasure, buddy. How you doing, man? Of course. What a pleasure, Dave. It is a done dilly, Dave. FC Osberg of uh, the Bundesliga have signed Ecuador's international Carlos Grueso from uh, FC Dallas. Wow. The midfielder signed a five-year contract until 2024. So, wow. Uh, yeah. You know, Mario, I'm glad you brought this up because it does bring me to something that I definitely want to talk about with, with, concerning MLS. Tom Bogert, who uh, works for MLSsoccer.com, wrote up a little bit about this in terms of the numbers, Mario. As I went back, once you said that the, the deal, you know, we had talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Augsburg announced it on their Twitter, but they didn't have the numbers. According to Tom Bogert, he says a club source from FC Dallas told him that the, these are the numbers. Four and a half million dollars for the fee, which could go up to about six point two million depending on incentives, right? And they and FC Dallas does have up to a 20% sell-on clause in case Augsburg sells Grezo somewhere. I love this deal for this reason, Mario. Grezo was purchased, his contract was bought by FC Dallas from the Bundesliga, Stuttgart, back in 2016 for about a million and a half. Ah. And when he was young, right? I mean, right. Grezo at the time, I mean, he was 20, 21, I think, at the time. Now he's barely 24. He's... Here's the thing, Mario, and I like Carlos Grezzo. He's a nice player. As you said, Ecuadorian international. He hasn't lit up MLS. No. You know, I mean, right. like it's, it's not been like, oh, my goodness, this is one of the greatest signings in the history of the sport or the history of MLS. You know, like he's been a nice player, good player, solid. And FC Dallas just completed a move with, for $3 million more than they paid with the uh, possibility to even go way higher than that. This is good business. This is world soccer. This is world football right here. This is what MLS must be doing. And Dallas has done it as well or better than any team. That includes their academies, bringing up player after player after player after player, selling on those players. This is what MLS must be all about. Not just looking to sell people, because you're always going to bring in players that you don't want to sell. Carlos Vela among others. You know, you're going to bring in guys like that. You're not looking to sell uh, to make a profit necessarily about, you know, if it happens, so be it. But Carlos Grezel, what a great example. Again, and you said it right away. No, he hasn't lit up MLS, right? If I ask any MLS fan to name your top 15, 20 midfielders in MLS, his name might come up. And this just sets the market, right, Dave? Yes. I mean, for some of the young guys that are really yes. lighting up the, the MLS. Augsburg, you know? Augsburg is not some massive buying club like they're very cautious like they're smart right they don't just go splashing money around they love carlos grezzo because they know him from the bundesliga back in the day when he was a stuttgart this is a great move for everybody involved he is a good player 
Let's but just say like, uh, you know, somebody like Diego Rossi who's lighting it up. You know, no, let's just say forget about it. Somebody in Europe wants him. You know, there you go. That's, how much is he going to make? Exactly. Now, you know, different position and all that. We all we understand that here at Soccer Weekly. We get that. But it is a great move because, again, no disrespect to Grezo. He is a good player. But he's not a massive loss either for the league or FC Dallas. And yet they're making a good, tidy sum on that. So this is what you have to do when a player is good and he has interest elsewhere. In a matter of just a few years, you can make double, triple what you paid. Forget about it. Let's do it. I mean, uh, Mario, it seems like it's a no-brainer. More teams got to get involved with this. But that in- that means spending a little money yourself, right? They went out and got this guy when he was young for a million and a half. He might have bombed. You know, it could have been a bad signing at the time. But thankfully, he didn't. He's a good player. He continued to improve. He's, uh, you know, improved his stock with Ecuador. And, you know, that makes him obviously more attractive as well. He signed a five-year deal, according to FC Augsburg, so good luck to him. I hope he lights up the Bundesliga. He certainly is a good enough player to do that. But, man, it can't hurt. It just can't hurt MLS if you keep doing these kind of things. And MLS is doing this stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is the blueprint yes, right here. Yes. A lot of MLS teams are doing this. You know, they're yeah, going to everybody America. should be, but you're right. Not, not everybody is, but a lot of them are. That's exactly right. Dave, and South America is fertile. You know, I mean, why not? There's yes. so many so many great players down there. Dave, did you see the USA women's home jersey is now the number one soccer jersey, men's or women's, ever sold on Nike.com in wow. one season? I did not see that in this one season. This is coming season. from uh, Mark Parker, who's the CEO of Nike. Yeah, well, that's, that's fantastic. And fantastic. Deserved, deservedly so. But, yes. you know, I mean, they're an immensely popular team. But it also points to the fact that the men didn't qualify in 18 and how much that hurts. You know, like you have to you have to be good because if you're good, you can move these. You can move the jerseys, Mario, if you're good. You know, like you can sell jerseys. (laughs) Yeah. Men, women, whatever. It doesn't matter in America, you know, and and of course the world. I'm sure Nike.com is selling them all over the world. But it just, you know, it, it is a great thing. That is awesome for the sport. It's so fantastic. That you know, it's but and it doesn't really surprise me. This is a an immensely popular team, the U.S. women. So good on them. You know, that's great. Let's just hope that continues. No doubt about it. Oh yeah, I seen a lot of uh, young girls around. Even in Disneyland when I was there this weekend, I seen a lot of little Nike USA nice. jerseys. It was awesome. I love to see that. I'm not gonna lie, Mario. I've seen men wearing them. Me too. too. So, I was gonna bring know? that up. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I thought it was a little weird to see that, but <laughs> I was like, yeah. it's just not something we're used to in sports, right? I mean, you yeah, don't see but it I've too seen a often. lot of that. Yeah, that's great. On I Instagram. Mean, how how popular are they? I mean, they're, they're, they're immensely popular, so that's awesome, you know, and it, it can only help. It can only help the entire sport. It's not like I've, you know, Mario, I've almost taken to kind of just not wanting to call it the Women's World Cup. You know, we talked a little bit about this. Yeah. It's, just, it's the World Cup. It, it's the odd year World Cup, right? It's the right. 19 versus the 18. It's just the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just the way it should be for me. I don't. Uh, it's almost like I, I don't even separate them anymore. There's just two straight World Cup years, and I love every minute of it. So, you know, that's just the way it should be. Even if the U.S. wasn't in it in 2018, that was the best World Cup I've ever seen. Right, it can happen. So I'm a, I'm super pumped that the the women are that popular, and hopefully will only continue. Yeah, they deserve the all the shine that they're getting. Yeah, absolutely. In the future, you know, look, the women's sport has come a long way, soccer, and it's you know not just in America. I'm talking. We see these teams all over the world now getting better and better and better. And the World Cup is a clear example of that. We really, yeah, awesome. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff here on Soccer Weekly. Uh, thanks so much to Francisco X Rivera, Araceli Villanueva for joining. If you miss anything, you can always podcast it. A reminder, go to iTunes, go to uh, ESPN Pod Center, search for Soccer Weekly. 
with Dave Denholm, and you can just you know subscribe, rate, and review. Just a reminder: if you're thinking of you're going to win tickets during the podcast, don't call in; they're already gone. So you know, the, <laughs> if you listen to a podcast and you heard a contest, that's from the live version of this. All right, so don't bother you know don't waste your time bothering the station. That's just a funny little thing I have to throw in there periodically. Not every time, but occasionally. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Thanks so much to Mario Reyes. Mario, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you, appreciate Dave. it. Soccer Weekly here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710.